Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Source Seed Pod podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Sower Seed Pod podcast. I am your host, Gordon Dean. Wanted to wanted to kind of give you a two for today. Um, what I'm going to talk about today is actually going to end up dovetailing into two other podcasts. Um, well, I should say uh, themes of podcasts. Uh, one of which has already become a blog post that I don't actually think has made it to my blog yet, but believe you me, that will be soon coming. Um, So the two things I kind of wanted to talk about today, in specific reference to one specific passage of Scripture, is one, um, one of the the pieces of Scripture that I'm going to be discussing today is one of those that uh, it, it seems that a lot of pastors want to kind of gloss over because it's one of those kind of sticky parts that nobody really wants to talk about because it seems kind of contradictory. The other thing is, uh, really, it's it's because what led me to this today is that this particular uh, piece of scripture was actually made into a song by the great Keith Green. And if you don't know who that is, I would highly, highly recommend that you go look this guy up, um, take a look at some of his YouTube stuff. And just, he was an amazing, amazing singer in my mind. Um, part of the, the big Jesus movement back in the 70s and, and the early 80s. Um, one of the things that he was really known for, I mean, aside from just being an in, intensely devout Christian, one of the things that he did a lot was to take scripture and just set it to music. And I don't mean like, you know, some of these uh, modern contemporary artists that uh, take scripture and kind of incorporate that into their song. I mean, just taking scripture and setting it to music, which you know, when you think about it, is is really not all that unusual an idea when you consider the fact that the entire book of Psalms is intended to be a book of songs. This was all songs that were written by, you know, David and a couple of other artists, or uh, uh, writers, but they were all intended to be songs of worship. And so when you think about it in that light, it really doesn't surprise much that a great deal of the book of Psalms could be set to music if you were creative enough to be able to do that. Now keep in mind, Keith didn't just stick to, to uh, the book of Psalms. In fact, one of my absolute all-time favorite songs of his, in fact, the one that actually got me turned on to his music, was called The Sheep and the Goats. And it's just the scripture about, you know, when the Son of Man comes and all the angels with him, and he sits on his glorious throne, and he'll divide the nations before him like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
and then he goes on basically to just now granted yes there's he he does throw in some some commentary in the lyrics if you will but he he just he takes scripture and puts it straight to music uh, i kind of digress but i would like for you to kind of keep that in the back of your mind if you ever have an opportunity to stop and think about what the worship time at your church should be. Now, again, that's going to be a different podcast for a different day. I'll probably end up recording it today and posting it tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, but the end, of the, the end result of this is just that it, it's, it's supposed to be a prayer to God. And so kind of keep that in the back of your mind. At any rate, the passage that I wanted to touch on is... It's in the 51st Psalm, and it's verses 10 through 12, which reads, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold within me a willing spirit. Now, like I said, this is one of those passages particularly relating to uh, verse number 11 that a lot of pastors will kind of shy away from because it's, it's one of those passages that, you know, ooh, sometimes when people, you know, hear or see that, they, they start asking questions. And unfortunately, there are too many pastors that, are afraid of being asked questions, tough or otherwise. So let me address that part of it first and then kind of move into what about this passage I really wanted to focus on. So the, the quote-unquote controversial verses is verse 11, again, chapter 51, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Now, the first thing, by the way, that I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit is there are so many people that want to talk about the Holy Spirit not really being part of the original trinity of God or that the, the Holy Spirit really wasn't uh, involved in anything going on here on earth until after Jesus' ascension back to heaven. Because you'll recall, he told his, his uh, apostles, I'm going to leave this spirit with you as a helper, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to abandon you, I'm, I'm leaving you with a helper. And so there's a lot of people that want to focus on that, but they don't want to take a look at the verses throughout the Old Testament that make specific reference to the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, which it's always been there. It's always been a helper, okay? So don't, don't let anybody tell you anything else otherwise above and beyond that. Now, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, which, by the way, in case you're wondering, I'm having a really hard time reciting this scripture without actually singing the lyrics to the song because that's what runs through my head. And believe me when I say, you don't want me singing. 
Anyway, it's, it's accepted in Christianity that once you're saved, you're saved. Nobody can pluck you from God's hand. And some would look at verse 11 and suggest that one, that is possible, and two, that our continued salvation is based upon our works. And there's a couple of different things at play here that you kind of need to keep in the back of your mind when you're reading not just this, but I mean any scripture. First of all, remember, scripture is not contradictory as its detractors would have you believe. It just isn't. And there, some of it's contextual, and some of it is you're just not reading it in, uh, in, in light of, of all of Scripture, because it's, it's all self-supporting. So if your salvation cannot be lost once it has been accepted, and if the Holy Spirit has been left with us as a helper to guide and to imprint on our hearts. And if our works are not what save us or continue to keep us in grace, what does this verse mean? Well, so there's a couple of different things here. And the first that you need to look at, and this is really the, the main overarching piece of this that so many don't really pay much attention to, is that David, as the king of Israel, has been doubly anointed. He's been anointed as a follower, and in addition to that, he's been anointed as their king. And so he's kind of received like a, a double portion, if you will. Now, I know that it's not exactly the, the best description, but I think it, it provides the, the gist of the tone of what he's referring here to. The next thing is, and look, this is just, it's human nature that we worry about screwing up so bad that even God turns his back on us. And when, again, you take a look at the Psalms and the life of David as a whole, and you look at, you know, everything that he's done, there's, there's a fear, I think, on his part that he's 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 trespassed against God in such a way that you know one of two things could happen kind of going back to that that double anointing thing one that the crown could be taken from him and given to another in much the same way that Saul was now, obviously, that idea is a little contradictory to, you know, your, your lineage will rule Israel and will rule forever. The Messiah will come out of your line, that kind of thing. Uh, 
but that's not to say that there couldn't be somebody else in the interim that could be taken away from him. And then the second thing, of course, is, as I said before, just that, that fear that... Uh, I understand that my salvation is secured, but there's always that little itty-bitty human niggling doubt in the back of my head that leads me to repentance. Because repentance isn't just when you're saved, it's when you screw up again. And so, I don't know, what, what I'm saying is, I, what I take away from this in the whole context is, God, I've screwed up. I've, I've got the blood of uh, tens of thousands of men on my hands. One of them was one of my dear friends. I've been with his wife. I mean, the list goes on. And please, God, I don't, don't turn your back on me. And remember that while Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, the groanings of men are exactly that, the groanings of men. And perhaps David felt at that time that there was or could be, excuse me, that there, there could be a cause for God to turn his back on David, which he also knew would carry more ramifications, yarda, yarda, yarda. I'm not going to get too far into this. It's one of those things that it's, it's just like the passage out of James that I mentioned before. It's not really that difficult to explain. It's, it's a relatively simple piece of scripture. Now, what I wanted to focus on actually revolves mostly around verses 10 and 12. And again, I'm not skipping 11 because it's so hard to deal with. I wanted to focus on 10 and 12 because these are the lines from the song that speak to me on a gut level, on a soul level. Now, before I get back into this, I want to kind of, I want to just speak to the Christians for just a second because we're going to be speaking about something that doesn't apply to somebody who's not saved. So please, bear with me for just a moment. Christians, especially those of you who come from an intensely bleak past, the ones whom it could be said God has forgiven more from you than perhaps many others. And yes, I'm talking about the criminals, the drug addicts, the, the sex addicts, the people with a violent past, do you 
remember that moment when your heart was so heavy and the call of God was so great that you realized you had no other alternative but to fall on your face before God and beg him to forgive you of your sins and to accept you into his family to be able to spend the rest of eternity with him. And then at the same time, I want you to, I want you to remember that moment when your heart and your soul and possibly even your mind heard him say, yes, you are my chosen. You are my child and I forgive you for all of your sin because you have accepted upon yourself the blood of my son. And that moment when you felt all of that weight lifted off of you, it was almost like having a, a, a very tight ace wrap around your chest that suddenly broke free and you could breathe again in a way that you never realized was possible. And at that moment, everything was possible. Everything was clean. Everything was new. And your heart leapt inside of your chest rejoicing with all that God had done for you and and the perspective of all that he would continue to do for you. Do you remember what that was like? Now keep that in mind as you go back and read verse number 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold, with, or uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, I need you to remind me who I am. I need you to remind me of what it felt like to have all of my sin forgiven and, and to have that one almost perfect moment where my heart and my mind and my soul were freed. I need that joy back. I need that exuberance back. I need to have that moment last for the rest of my life. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And that's the really important part here. Now, how then do we go about doing that? Well, chapter, or excuse me, verse 10 
has the answer to that. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And that's really important. And I honestly, I believe truly that that needs to be our prayer every day. Because when we get into this world, it is so easy to lose sight of who we are. It is so easy to, you know, uh, I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. You get around certain people like at work or, you know, at the gym or whatever, and they're not saved or they don't act like they're saved and they start cursing or telling rude jokes or uh, talking about subjects that are better left at home. And it's easy for us to just join right in because it's just, it's comfortable, it's familiar, it's what we know. And the problem is, we are, one, condoning the bad behavior of saved Christians. We are showing others that it's okay as Christians to participate in this bad behavior and additionally we are setting an example for the unsaved that gives them an opportunity to say well if this is what it means to be saved then I don't need any part of this because my life already has crass jokes and cursing in it I don't need to do anything differently and on that note and you're going to hear me say this a lot folks don't forget you are the only Bible that some people are ever going to see and so if you can't if you can't live a life that is different than the unsaved why would they want to listen to us about being saved? So let me go ahead and come back to the scripture. I want to read this again, and I would like for you to please, I want you to repeat after me, and I want you to open your heart up to the Lord we're going to recite this like a prayer. Now, if you're driving, obviously, don't close your eyes and bow your head unless you pull over first. But let this be a prayer today. Heavenly Father, we come before you, a body of believers that knows a joy that few others on this earth do. And Father, unfortunately, so many of us have a tendency to get so caught up in life and, and to become so comfortable and complacent in our day-to-day -day that we forget what you've done for us. And so, Father, with one voice and one heart, we bow before you today and we beg you to please create in us a clean heart, O oh God and renew a right spirit within us. 
Don't cast us from your presence, Father, or take your Holy Spirit from us, but instead restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold in us a willing spirit. We ask this, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.